0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Business Growth Podcast brought to you by ANZ, a new series for Australian businesses with me, Rachel Newman. Just like ANZ, I'm passionate about helping Australian businesses grow and I love hearing stories about business success. I'm looking forward to spending time with some real Australian entrepreneurs discussing just how to grow a business in a sustainable, long-term way. These podcasts have been inspired by ANZ's work with the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia, and by the amazing entrepreneurs we'll be chatting with in this series. So a little about me. I'm an advisor and consultant to a variety of startups, and I mentor with the Startmate Accelerator program. I'm also director on the board of Startup Oz, where we believe that technology and entrepreneurship changes lives for the better. And so we work to influence policy and make Australia the best place in the world to launch and grow a business. But enough about me. Let's begin. Today's podcast topic is all about delegation. Sometimes starting to delegate can feel like a step back in productivity. It feels like you can just do it quicker yourself. But without delegation, you'll never see strong growth in your business. In this episode, we get the lowdown from Jody Oster, Uber East's general manager for central operations on how she delegates effectively across Australian and New Zealand teams, as well as what delegation strategies she recommends. Jody, welcome to the ANZ Growth Podcast. Thank you. Now, Jody, you have a really interesting background with an early career in medicine, then management consulting, and
1: now leading big teams at fast growing startups. So tell us a little bit about your journey. So I started my professional career as an emergency doctor where I learned the art of hypothesis-driven problem solving and triage. And then I went on to complete my MBA at Melbourne Business School, spent a couple of years at Bain & Company, building my business foundation as a management consultant, and then finally fell in love with startup life as GM of operations at ScoopOn. When I moved to San Francisco, I joined a business called Thumbtack, and I was an early employee, about the 25th employee, just before a Series B funding was announced. I was Director of Customer Operations, and I was there during a massive period of growth over three years. We went from 25 full-time employees to about 500, and uh, we became a $1.3 billion business when I left in 2016. When I arrived back in Melbourne at the end of 2016, I was really lucky to join Uber Eats. I get to work on immensely challenging operational issues, but I also get to build and motivate a very, very talented group of people.
0: Thinking about the framework of the five levels of delegation, so there's the report, the recommendation, the action plan, independence, and full delegation. And in this framework... Um, It basically helps you to see the journey of how you can trust your team member more and more over time, and entrust her or him with more responsibility. Um, So, talk to me about trust. How are you able to either build that trust or get feedback from your team that they have the skills and the understanding for them to advance through this framework?
1: Again, I think the context of fast-moving tech is really important here because um, in in my world, I default from a starting place, like a, a starting point of assuming that they can achieve the level of delegation that they've been given and then it's on me to check whether I've made that good decision. I do also think the concept of trust and responsibility are different. So trust is really... it's. Uh, It's a comment on the relationship that you have with a person. For me, that is about getting to know that person as a human being, what motivates them, um, what they're passionate about, what they're uh, interested in doing in their day-to-day job. And as you get to know each other, that trust naturally forms as with any friendship or relationship. That helps you give additional responsibility to people, but you can also give responsibility without trust. It's just a bigger leap to make mentally as Mm. a leader.
0: What are some of the tools or the processes that you use
1: to make delegation and managing your teams as effective as possible? So I've just changed roles. I was managing the Melbourne market and I've built a a team from scratch, the central operations team. And so I'll talk about some of the steps I took at the beginning of establishing this team that I, I think a really important foundation and then some of the things I've brought with me um, as a, just a general practice of managing teams. So I, I think it's really important to invest time upfront in getting to know not just what motivates these people but their work style and learning style. And so I actually go through a really detailed set of questions about how do they like to learn, when do they like to work, uh, How do they like to engage in terms of communication? Why are they here? Um, Are we delivering on the promise that we recruited from them? And having that conversation up front signals care, starts to build trust, but it also helps me get a sense of where do they think that they're at? And so you've immediately gathered a huge amount of information that you would otherwise have to collect in bits and pieces over time. When there's a conflict, whose style wins? (laughs) You have to ask my team. No, I so I have a document called "How I Work," which I share with people that I haven't worked with before, and it talks about my values at work, uh, my style, and um, what I ask of them. But there is a paragraph at the at the top of it that says, "I'm describing my default style. Some of these things are great, and some of these things I'm working on." I also have a section that under under each bullet of my style that says, um, when overused or used to extreme, what this can feel like. And so I don't think that my style is fixed and that every, everything about it is good. Uh, and I acknowledge that when used too little or too much, it can feel bad for the team. And so what I think' interesting is not to choose a style that wins in the team, but to be aware of the styles that are there and to make room for different styles um, in everything that you do. A, a really concrete example and, and, and uh, I'm quite passionate about this is I'm a real think on my feet kind of person. And so in a meeting, my default style will be to jump up at the whiteboard and to ask lots of questions that most people will not have had time to think about before. For people who don't think on their feet or who need a little bit more time to think and respond, what I need to do is send a little heads up before the meeting to say, hey, we're going to be talking about this, have a think about it in advance. I also need to give time after the meeting, for people to be able to contribute if they weren't able to gather their thoughts during that meeting. And so if, if we tie that back to delegation, I think that it's important not to always delegate on the fly. If decisions are made always when you're thinking on your feet in the middle of a meeting, some people may miss opportunities to step up and have uh, more responsibility delegated to them. And you know to tie it back to your original question whose style wins is well everybody's style needs to have room made for it and that's what real diversity and inclusion in a business is and as i'm sure you're aware at uber and uber eats at the moment diversity and inclusion is really top of mind for the business and for leadership and we've made enormous progress this year towards that
0: if you want to learn more about how to grow a business, head on over to ANZ.com forward slash business growth, where you can find the free online business growth program. It provides business leaders with the knowledge and skills needed to grow a business sustainably, including how to choose the right growth strategy and the different responsibilities of a leader during growth. It's a rich resource put together by the ANZ Bank and the Center for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. ANZ has worked with global growth expert Dr. Jana Matthews at the university. It really is a great resource and you might even find more episodes of this very podcast, so it's definitely worth a visit at ANZ.com forward slash business growth. This is Rachel Newman on the ANZ Growth Podcast and I'm here today with Jody Oster, the general manager of central operations at Uber Eats for Australia New Zealand. So, Jodi, you had mentioned earlier that as a senior leader, your day-to-day is less about producing work, and it's more about empowering and leading your team to, to do their pieces to, that all fit into the puzzle. Can you walk us through your typical day at Uber Eats and what that looks and feels like as a manager of a large team?
1: Yes. So at Uber Eats, a good day for me is spending a lot of time with people. Usually in meetings. I don't spend a lot of time on email. I don't spend a lot of time writing or producing work and content. Although I could probably do with a couple more gaps <laughs> to get through that stuff. Uh, so if I if I even sort of extend that to a week, what does a good week look like? It means I've caught up with every person or sub team at least once. To ensure that they're on track towards the, their objectives and goals, and that I've also caught up with uh, other stakeholders around the business and potentially external stakeholders to ensure that they're happy with the progress that we're making. It's, I think, a, a double-edged sword in terms of effective delegation. Where the most common thing that people say to me when they look at my calendar is, "Oh, that looks like a complete nightmare. It looks like you're really busy and." What I wish people would say was it looks like you have really effectively delegated and are spending time to check in to make sure that um, that delegation is going well because that's, that's actually the intent of having the full calendar. It's to have that face-to-face time with the people who the work has been delegated to.
0: So it sounds like in order to effectively manage at your level, with your size team, with your level of growth, uh, aspiration, and expectation, delegation is absolutely essential. Tell me now about accountability. So once you've delegated out so much of this work and in some instances the decision-making, where does accountability sit? And is there any discomfort that you have sometimes for where the accountability lands with you but you're not the one actually doing the work or making the
1: decision? At Uber Eats, I believe I am ultimately accountable for the work of my team. If I've made bad decisions in delegation, I think that ultimately sits with me. And so it is really important for the individuals doing the work to feel like they own and are accountable for the work that they do. that we've agreed for them to do. Um, but I do feel a huge responsibility for the quality and and speed of that output. I think that there are a lot of structural check-ins that you can put in place to make sure that things are on track. I don't think the one-on-ones are enough. Um, it's what do you talk about during that time and how do you track progress? So what I do try and do is have a centralized repository of all the goals and key results and I ask people to to update that tracker on a, a weekly basis ideally and that's not just for me that's accountability to each other we said as a team that we were going to achieve this and I am standing up and saying to you on a weekly basis, here's how I'm tracking. I'm on track. I'm off track. I really need to raise my hand that things aren't going well. Um, It is surprisingly hard to get people to update a weekly tracker, but I believe that it's a really important part of working in a big team and in a big business. Um, I also think it's important that the team feels like I've got their back Uber Eats, a lot of people are trying things for the first time. It may be their first job out of um, university. It may be the first time that they've done a task like that because we're often the first people in the world doing a task like that. And I want them to feel comfortable with innovating, experimenting, taking a risk of ownership at the next level. And if, if they feel like I've got their back, that I put my name against their work and that I'm accountable Ultimately, for the outcome, people can really feel free to fly. Going back to the five levels of delegation framework,
0: one of the mantras is no surprises, and that's especially important in those later levels where so much of the work and the decision making has been entrusted to your team. Um, Can you share with me a story where maybe someone on your team didn't exactly adhere to the no surprises rule and caught you off guard, and uh, what was the result of that?
1: So this is. Uh, this is not a Uber Eats story. Um, this is a story from, from a, a previous company. And it wasn't so much a story about a, a surprise that was kept from me, but it was a pretty hilarious custo- customer-facing mistake that was made by someone on my team. And uh, what happened was she sent an important update to the customer base which was quite large and accidentally set the system in a way that sent the same email every hour on the hour for 12 hours in a row <laughs> no customer would have liked to receive that no. email so i think she realized this about 10 hours in and was absolutely mortified as you can imagine no one no one likes a mistake let alone a, a customer facing mistake repeated 10 times in a day and what what I like to think that I created was I didn't want to I didn't I didn't want her to feel so deflated that we would have to go all the way back to the beginning of the delegation levels. She's a really competent person. It was a unfortunately an easy mistake to make. And so it was really important for me to say, okay, I acknowledge the mistakes being made. I don't think we need to dwell on how bad the impact of this is. You, you've made it, you know. So let's work out what happens so we can put these checks in place next time so that it doesn't happen again to you or anyone else, but not necessarily take that as a terrible signal that she needs to be downgraded in her level of responsibility. And that's really important for me. If you want people to feel like they can fail and get back up, um, it's just taking that mistake really in context and uh, like fortunately or unfortunately my my anchor point is medicine and it literally is okay nobody died let's carry on (laughs) And, and so I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that uh, I've, I've seen a lot worse and what happens in business is not usually anywhere near as bad as what I saw in emergency medicine. So I can be quite lighthearted and, and optimistic about it for the person and it's at those moments when your willingness to trust and continue to offer responsibility at a higher level is the most meaningful
0: I think that's such an important point because, you know, we talk about this trust continuum um, and especially where uh, in some instances you stick your neck out and you say, I'm going to come from a baseline of trust and they're either going to prove or disprove it. I think there's that important nuance on top of it, which is sometimes they are going to fail and I as a leader need to decide if that is an indication that they are maybe one rung too high on the delegation ladder or actually this is the right place Um And I will keep them here and I will just coach them to to continue to get better. So, again, such an important reflection on how much of this, regardless of what a strong framework you have, how much of this is
1: about uh, you as a manager and being effective uh, with your team. I think one thing that I also really like about the culture at Uber Eats is the leadership team is willing to say, I... I kind of over delegated in this instance and I will put my hand up and say like I am responsible for the outcome that's happened and I am now also going to lean in to fix this and I think I've, I've seen and worked in places where the opposite has happened and everybody just sort of steps back and says oh like Was, wasn't me and points fingers and I think that is a terribly disheartening and and often toxic environment to work in and I'm proud to say that in our business people really do um, have each other's backs.
0: If you're serious about growing your business then talk to an ANZ business banker today about ANZ's One Day Business Growth Seminars. The free seminars are a unique initiative with the Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia. The seminars are perfect for business owners looking to grow but unsure how to progress to the next level. And they're open to both ANZ customers and non-ANZ customers. To find out more, talk to an ANZ business banker or visit ANZ.com forward slash business growth. That's ANZ.com forward slash business growth. Today I'm talking with Jody Oster, General Manager for Central Operations at Uber Eats here in Australia and New Zealand, about delegating in your business. Now, we've reflected quite a bit around delegation and your personal leadership style, but I imagine there also comes a time where you need to pass this wisdom and this skill set down into others. So how do you teach and train your delegation style or just delegation in general to your next level of managers
1: who they themselves have people under them? I think the The typical scenario that pops up is somebody all of a sudden finds themselves with one or two direct reports for the first time and usually the pattern that I see is they continue to do as much work as they were doing before and they layer on top of that the need to manage two other people and that's a lot of work. That's sort of 150% capacity and it, it doesn't go well for people. So for me it's the constant prompting of that person in our weekly one-on-ones of, do you really need to be doing this thing? Who can you trust on your team to do this thing? And what um, structural things do you have in place to ensure that they're doing it to the, the quality that you, um, that you insist on when you do it yourself? Also, I model all of the structural things that I think are really important for them to do with their team and if they feel like those things are effective, you see them replicating it with their team. So at Uber Eats, the people that I've uh, that I worked with in Melbourne are doing quarterly um, planning and goal setting days and they're using a similar format to what I use because they found it to be a really effective check-in point and... Um, point of agreement around what we are going to set out to achieve. I think the business in general really believes in and supports frequent one-on-ones. I've seen people using my format of one-on-ones. I've seen them trying other things. Um, And so it's modelling the behaviours and cadence of check-ins that they can then take with them as well as constantly prompting them to delegate. You know, it's like really have a conversation about it. Say, like, help me understand why you're doing this task. You say to me you've got a lot on your plate. How can we shift from doing to coaching and leading um, over time? I do think the the hardest level, though, is a new manager because you still are required to have that player coach combination, and I think those people fall under the most stress in an organisation. It's it is a little bit easier as you progress because the the production of work I think goes down.
0: Now, in your career, you've seen many managers, people who have managed you, your peers, and as you just mentioned. junior managers that you've then trained, um, how much of this skill around delegation uh, is learned or how much is innate?
1: I, I actually think it can all be learned, but I think your underlying personality and orientation towards people has a big influence on how easy it feels for you. Uh, if you have real trouble um, not being in control, And I think delegation is really hard. If you start from a place of mistrust of the quality of other people's work, if you start from a place of not assuming positive intent, then all of this is much harder. You can force yourself to do it and people can still go through the motions, uh, but it's a struggle.
0: Jody, thank you so much for joining us on the ANZ Growth Podcast. We've covered so much ground here on this topic of delegation, and I'm just hoping as your parting gift to the listeners, do you have any words of wisdom or any nuggets of gold you'd like to leave us with? I would say first,
1: work out what you need to do to build really deep trust with others in your team. And secondly, practice. I think delegating gets easier with time and all of those mental models and decisions that i talked about in terms of understanding what stage they're at and the impact and risk of the of the decision becomes more and more subconscious and easier to uh, easier to do on the fly as you practice this.
0: Great. Thank you so much for joining us today and thank you so much for listening to the ANZ Growth podcast. Thank you. And that was the Business Growth podcast brought to you by ANZ. To find out more or to register for the ANZ Business Growth Program, go to our website, ANZ.com forward slash business growth. That's ANZ.com forward slash business growth. Thanks for listening.